0: Jimmy uh, was saying that uh, he was dating us and how long we have been connected with the church. We were with the church for 17 years. We came in 94 and uh, and then 11 years in in Ireland. But uh, Jimmy and I used to play a lot of basketball together back in the day. And uh, earlier he said, uh, before the first service, he said, uh, probably not going to hang on the rim anymore. So I said, "Yeah, I think we just need to stand behind the three-point line and shoot shoot from there." Uh, and then I saw J- uh, John Gleason as I came in, and and uh, we used to play softball together way back in the day. So those those were uh, ancient days. Um, <laughs> so if you can imagine, I uh, when we first arrived. We, we left uh, Ireland on May 2nd, and uh, we've driven about 8,000 miles so far. But um, our first Sunday we were in, uh, where were we? Arkansas. And we met some friends who we knew, they were IMB missionaries in Croatia, and so we spent some time with them on that Sunday. And uh, And he kept looking at me, and he said, you look the same, but you're gray. So said, thank you. I, lo- I love you too. <laughs> so, well, greetings from Grace Baptist Church in Killarney, County Cary. Um, Lon and I have been working with the church there in that community for 11 years. We uh, uh, left uh, on July 4th, 2011 and arrived the next day and then it rained for the next 18 months. So uh, there's a reason why the island is green and called the Emerald Isle. So uh, it rained. Uh, It's still raining, although they've had a a warm summer. So uh, I've been getting some pictures and some texts from some friends in my hiking groups and uh, showing me they are actually bright, sunny days. So that's that's good. Um, Lona and I have been married for a... 36 years this, uh, this month, and uh, uh, yeah, sure, thank you. Since a lot of you don't know who we are, then I'm, I'm giving a missionary moment, but it's going to be a missionary 30 minutes or so, so um, so I'm giving some background of who we are. And uh, so there's Madeline, She's, she'll be 27 uh, this month and uh, she Ir- stayed back in Ireland. She's watching the cat in the house, and that's her priority, that, that order, the cat first and then the house. Um, she graduated from a Cork School of Music a few years ago, and she has a degree in theater and drama studies. And she plans on uh, moving back here after Christmas. I know it's the next step in being uh, uh, that it will happen because she actually bought a... Uh, a plane ticket. So, um, And then uh, Ian, will be uh, 19 uh, in September, he graduated um, their uh, equivalent of high school last year, and so he took a gap year. He worked a little bit, and, um, uh, and then he's been with us the whole, the whole summer and experiencing all 8,000 miles that we've experienced. And he's going to go to Munster Technical University in Tralee, which is a town north of us, about 30 minutes, and he'll study animation. So the next Pixar or any animated film you see, um, look for his name because he's got five names. So look for the really long one. I told him yesterday when we, we saw a film, said, make sure you use all your names to take up as much space in the credits as possible. Um, now, Lone and I are with a mission agency called CrossWorld. When we uh, knew that God was calling us to Ireland, um, this was the one that uh, had a large presence in Europe. Um, The IMB told us they wouldn't send us there, so we looked elsewhere because we knew God had called us there. And CrossWorld is a non-denominational mission agency that's been around for 80 years or so and also connected with one of the older um, mission agencies from London. And we have nearly 400 workers around the world. And in Europe, we have workers in Ireland, Great Britain, Spain, France, Italy, uh, Slovakia, Germany, Uh, uh, bosnia and the ukraine Um, the ones that are in the ukraine are not there at the moment please pray for them pray for the churches in the ukraine Um, pray for the churches in the bordering countries poland has pulled more than their weight during this time they've been incredible there's a lot of stories that you're not hearing that uh, are just incredible stories of how god is is working in those churches and in the people in the lives of the people um, and then we've been serving at Grace Baptist Church, as I said, since um, uh, 2011. I've been in the position of elder and uh, pastor for the last four years. The church is made up mostly of Irish, but uh, there's also a Polish family, um, some from Lithuania, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and England. And uh, this year uh, was the first Easter that we were able to meet together since 2019 because of um, the dreaded word COVID. And uh, our restrictions were a lot tighter than what you had here. And uh, so we didn't uh, really start meeting together again until last uh, June. And so Easter was great, and we had 40 for Easter, and we were very happy uh, for that uh, number to see that many people come out. Now, the church is part of the uh, Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland. There's about 120 churches in the association. Um, three-fourths of them are in the north, nor- the, nor- the six northern counties of northern Ireland, and then the rest are in the Republic, 26 counties. So There's not that many churches spread out through uh, the Republic. Uh, but we did have one new church that had been a church plant about seven years ago and they constituted as a church this past January, uh, during, during COVID, they did the whole thing on zoom. And, uh, but that was great to see that, uh, uh, they've, uh, that they're moving along. And so I continue to pray for that church. And then there's another church that, uh, uh started dur- uh, really during the time of COVID and, they had never been able to meet in person. They constituted as a church and had never met in person. The first time they could meet in person in June of of last year, they had more people than the limitations that were set by the government. We could only have as many as fifty people in the service, and they had to go to two services the first Sunday that they met. So that's and that is very much not normal for church planning in Ireland, but I'm thankful that God doesn't really care what's normal and what's not. So um, uh, they uh, uh, are going great and pray for a Amazing Grace Church. I love the, the name of the church, Amazing Grace Church in Skibbereen. That's also a fun name to say, Skibbereen. So um, now church planning is very slow in, in Ireland and in all of Europe. The statistics for Europe is that there is less the 1% of the population that are followers of Christ. And in in Ireland, it's less than one-half of a percent that are followers of Christ. And in our county, County Kerry, it's less than one-quarter of a percent that are followers of Christ. I uh, was talking with a friend of mine over in Montrose. I'll be over at his church next Sunday. And uh, we were uh, talking about uh, churches in, in Ireland and everything. And I said, so how many uh, what's the population of Montrose? And he said, it's about 25,000, which is about the same as Tralee, which is where Ian will go to school, um, about 25,000. So I said, so how many churches in Montrose preach the gospel? So he worked through it in his head, all the different denominations, and, and um, historically wouldn't be known to, and he, he, he did a quick Google, and he said, oh, there's probably about 70 churches. I said, there's one in Tralee. So said, that's the difference between North America and Ireland. There are four churches in our county for 150,000 people that preach the gospel, three in our town of Killarney and one in uh, Tralee. So the big problem with Europe and Ireland is that going to the traditional church, going to Mass, there, there are few who are devout in going to the traditional church, most go because it's expected of them. They're going because it's part of being part of the community. They're going because it's good luck, because if they don't go, something bad might happen. In Ireland, community is a major part of the culture. Everyone is on a first name basis. If they say your last name, they most likely don't like you. So, um, Everybody's on first name basis. They don't really care about titles, what you've done. Um, everybody's equal. Uh, if, because if, uh, you're doing something that's outside the community, then they want to b- bring you back in or they wonder why you're doing something that's outside of the community. So going to a church that's not the traditional church is going outside the community. And they, uh, look at that and as, uh, uh, as a problem. And they look at anything that's outside the traditional church as a cult. So we're, we're considered along with Jehovah's Witness and Mormon. So how do you reach a people who are entrenched in their culture like this? Even though it's just it's a cultural thing. It's not, there's no heart relationship with Christ. It's just a cultural uh, relationship. Street preaching is very difficult. And uh, it wouldn't, doesn't work in our town in Dublin, in the bigger cities, Dublin or Cork city, it might. Um, but knocking door to door is not, is a. Uh, they look at that as a cult because they're thinking uh, you're either trying to sell them something, you're a cult, or you're a politician, because politicians are still very grassroots and door to door and trying to get your vote for every for everything. So, um, so they don't like anybody going door to door. So. You know, we've got to remember that one thing about our job is not to get them into church. Our job is to share the gospel. And so the best way for us to do that is to meet them where they are. It's like Jesus as he walked along the roads between the, the towns and the cities, and he was teaching the disciples as they were walking. Most of his teaching was done on the roads. Along the way, if you read the gospels, how many times do you see as they were going on the road, along the way, as they were going to Jerusalem, Jesus was teaching the disciples. He was uh, reaching out to the people who people were coming to him uh, on, the, on the road, people needing healing, um, uh, people just needing different types of help. He, w- he was there. So the best way that I've been able to meet with people in, in the community is... Uh, Participating in local walking groups, and since Killarney is within the largest national park, and the county has over a thousand kilometers of ho- hiking trails, uh, walking groups are very popular. Hill walking, they call it, because it's not just flat. We have a lot of a lot of little mountains. You you would think they're little hills compared to the uh, the fourteeners here, but. um they're mountains to us. We, we like them. Uh, there are several more hiking, walking groups, and I, I participate in two, uh, Tuesday night and Friday. And because it rains, I have to invest in, ra- in rain gear. See, this whole thing takes time. It takes an investment. It's an investment of time to be with them, and it's an investment in money to be able to, uh, have the the rain gear because, like, like I said, it rained for eighteen months. It rains three hundred days a, a year, so you have three hundred days three hundred days of sunshine, and we get we get the three hundred days a year. It's kind of we're polar opposites uh, in that respect. So if you if you don't if you're not going to walk in the rain, then you're just not going to walk. So you got to be got to be ready for it. They notice that investment. They notice that commitment that I have to being a part of their community, of being with them. They see that. And um, and so they respond, and I get a lot of good conversations, and that's really what I'm going to get to in a moment, is a, 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 some different conversations. Now, they, they really won't come to church. Now, they a couple of them have, and they've come to maybe a Christmas carol thing, but like I said, that would be out stepping outside their community so I've got to step into theirs. So, how do you deal with them? Well, let me read a few verses from Second Corinthians chapter three. We're going to look. I'm going to read starting in verse uh, verse twelve of chapter three, and uh, going through chapter four, verse six. Second Corinthians three, starting in verse twelve through four, verse six. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you uh, for the opportunity that you have given us to share in Ireland To a people who live in a very dark world. And I pray that uh, this morning, as I share, that uh, you would just use me to to share what you're doing. And that pray that the veil would be lifted from the eyes of these dear people. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what was holding back Israel? It was the law. The ministry of, as Paul said, the ministry of death and condemnation. And as Paul tells us in Romans, the law was there not to save us, but to show us our sin. And then in Romans 7, he talks about that he didn't know that coveting was a sin until the law told him it was a sin. And then his eyes are opened and his sin has been revealed to him and now he realizes how much he has been sinning. When God's truth reveals sin to us, then we are confronted with our sin. And we have to do something with it. And that something is Christ. That someone is Christ. We have to take that to Christ. When we do that, we we either do that or we turn against it. We reject it. And that is the struggle that the Irish have with God. They stay under the law. Not God's law, but their laws. Their laws of uh, traditions and and rules by the church and the guilt that is heaped upon them for not keeping those laws. A friend of mine, he overheard two college girls at a jewelry store and they were looking for necklaces, cross necklaces. And they were looking at different styles and one of the girls said, I would like one that has the little man on it. They didn't know who Jesus was. It was just a fashion statement. During the summer of 2021, we were on a uh, walking, we were walking on a Tuesday night, <clears throat> my Tuesday night group, and it was a very stormy night and uh, uh, very windy. Uh, the lake was very choppy. This is Muckers Lake. It was very choppy. Some of them uh, uh, mentioned, you know, we should throw a sacri- make a sacrifice and in- throw it into the lake uh, to calm the waters, which just made me think of Jonah telling the, the guys just to throw him in to uh, save themselves. And, uh, um, and I made a reference to a news story earlier in the week about a, uh, a clam diver in Boston who had dived down to check on his, check on his clams, and uh, he felt a big bump and then everything went dark. He had been—he ended up being in the mouth of a whale, and of course, in the few seconds he was in there, his life is going through his before his eyes because he's trying to figure out how much time, how much air do I have left, and all this. But the, the whale's a bit smarter than him because the whale said, "Well, it's something too big in my mouth that so I can't deal with it." So he surfaced and spit him out. So I told them that story, and one lady said, "Who's Jonah?" So I said, "Well, um, he's a prophet from the Old Testament. He uh, there's a Bible in the Old Testament that's uh, named after him." And she said, "Well, tell me the story." So I told her the story of Jonah and what how God used him and and and, uh, uh, and she said, "You know, I've never heard that story before. The priest has never read that one." And I said, "Well." You can get, if you have a Bible at home, or I can get you a Bible, you can read it for yourself. And she said, No, that's, that's okay. I'll, I'll let them read it because they can explain it to me so I can understand it. And uh, so her eyes are veiled to the importance of reading God's Word. And they're, they're not, they're, she's never been encouraged to read the Bible. Now, a friend of mine who the, the, uh, was the principal of the church that, uh, the church, principal of the school that we have church in it's a Catholic school, it's a primary school. And uh, he was uh, a good friend, and he, he's the reason why we're able to well, God's the reason he, God used him to allow us to get into the school. And he was uh, going to he accepted a position in the uh, Department of Education in Ireland. And he's taking a national position, so he's going to stay living there. But he's going to be doing a lot of traveling. So I wanted to give him a gift. So I gave him a, um, a go away gift or a, you know, a con- congratulatory gift or whatever of a study Bible. And so he o- he opened the Bible and he started leafing through it. And then he looked at me and he said, "Are you vaccinated?" So I said, um, yes, I'm vaccinated. And he said, Oh, good. Come here. And he went around his desk and he gave me a great big bear hug. And he said, Thank you. He says, I this this will be with me on my travels. I will read it. So hopefully God hopefully the Holy Spirit is removing the veil from his eyes. Now, the um uh, uh I I do a lot of hiking, as I said. So go ahead and try to pronounce that. I put it in Irish just uh, to have fun. It's a Canachnadubber. I knew you figured that out. Canachnadubber. Uh, it 's one of the pilgrimage hikes they do They do a lot of pilgrimage hikes that has the uh, stations of the cross so if you 're familiar with that then there 's fourteen stations going up the mountain, which is really nice because that gives you fourteen times that you can stop and catch your breath and get a drink of water um, and so we 're going up the mountain and we 're about up to Station ten or eleven or one of them that has a depiction of Jesus on the cross and I was walking with three people at that time. Usually you have 15 to 25 people and you just kind of get strung out during the the time that you're hiking, and so you're with different people at different times and have all these different conversations. And I was with uh, three people as we stopped at that cross, and one of them said, it isn't that amazing what Jesus did, that he endured to get to this point. So I thought, well, okay, that's a Good observation. He kind of stopped there, not necessarily talking about why Jesus did it. but um, And then uh, there, there was a cusp, couple, a husband and wife, and, and the husband, who's not religious at all, said, well, he died on the cross for our sins. So the man who's not religious at all is the one that spoke truth. And, uh, and then his his wife, Bridie, she, uh, and Br- Bridie's uh, a lovely lady, very, very sweet lady, um, She said, uh, well, I'm more interested in, uh, I've always wondered what his mother thought, what his mother thought was going on. And so I I shared with them uh, my thoughts and uh, what Christ was doing on the cross and why he was doing that. And, And the one husband did give truth, say truth, but... Uh, They just kind of reaffirmed what they had been, had said. So, uh, their veil, the veil is still over, they're close, but the veil is still, uh, keeping them from knowing the truth. And speaking of Bridie, you know, I've talked with Bridie on several occasions. She's very open, and she, uh, will uh, talk to me about things. And she, uh, said, you know, I'm very interested in, I I do a lot of, uh, uh, mindfulness, uh, techniques, breathing and self-centering and all of this stuff. Along with her, she's very devout. And so I said, well, what, what is this? And she was, she was explaining a little more. And when you, when you hear what she was into, if you reread chapter 4, verse 4, it says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep from them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so um, I looked up what mindfulness is, and one quote is that mindfulness is a quality that every human being already possesses. It's not something you have to conjure up. You just have to learn to access it. So you have all the power within you. You just have to do it yourself. But it's works-based. Well, I told her, I said, Bridie, I'm more interested in the spirit of godfulness because I have to focus on, on Christ and Christ alone because that's where my strength lies. Because if I have to rely on my own strength to do anything, I'm going to fail miserably, and and uh, I can't rely on anybody else because uh, we're all in the same the same boat. It has to be Christ, Christ alone, and and she just kind of you know uh, nods and and uh, and uh, so. Pray for pray for her. Pray for pray for these people. Um, there's a man that I, that loves to sing. Uh, one of my dear friends, and he loves to sing "Amazing Grace." We'll stop on the walk, and he'll just start saying, "Let's let's sing," and he'll usually start singing "Amazing Grace." He'll also start singing some Irish tunes that I don't know, and even some of the people who are walking, they don't know what that tune is either. So sometimes I wonder if he's just making it up as he goes along. But um, he he sings Amazing Grace, even though, ironically, he doesn't know the grace that he's singing about. Uh, But we were uh, uh, walking one night, and we came to uh, some stone steps. And he said, do you know what the name of these steps are? I said, no, what what is it? He said, "They're, they're called Jacob's Ladder. Ah. He says, do you know why it's called that? I said, well explain it to me what what does that mean he said well it's named after the the rope ladder that goes up to the crow's nest in the tall ships and I said now I think the reference is a bit older than that <laughs> I said it's from it's from Genesis you know Jacob <laughs> the father of the twelve tribes of Israel Israel that he's really tell me the story so I told him the story of Jacob and his dream and the angels ascending and descending, and when he awoke, he was fearful because God had been there and he did not know it. And that's a lot of the problem with Ireland: is God is there and they do not know it. Well, a couple of weeks later, uh, we're with a group and we were at the same place and and he's giving the same the same story and saying this is called Jacob's Ladder and he was explaining his version of it. And he said, but Pastor here. Um, has a different uh, different reference. And so a couple of the late they, they turned and looked at me, so kind of on the spotlight there, and a couple of them asked, well, tell us the story. So I shared the story again with the whole group. So God has given these opportunities to be able to speak truth in the lives of people who never hear truth. They never read the truth because they're not encouraged to read it. Um, So I've shared a few stories of people who um, uh, the veil has been covered, but has covered their eyes. But let me share some that uh, the veil has been lifted or lifting. There was uh, a young lady who was hitting the head with the gospel. A family, she's Polish, her family, she's living with her sister and family, and uh, somebody had given them a box of Polish, Literature, uh, gospel literature. So her sister had put the box up on the shelf. And then they were away for a weekend, and and, uh, she was this young lady was interested in what was in the box. So she went to pull the box down, and something fell out of the box and hit her in the head. And it was a gospel tract, a plan of salvation in Polish. And she sat down on the bed and read through it and gave her life to Christ that day. That moment, and uh, so that's her on your left, on the left side, getting baptized. Uh, not too long later, Ian is in the middle getting baptized, and then her nephew uh, was getting baptized that same day. And that's um, the nephew's dad helping me uh, in the ba- in the in the lake. It was really cold. You can ask Ian about that. He's the one that had to get dunked, and I was I was cold just standing in it. So. Um, but that was a great that was a great day because baptisms are very few and far between, and that was a great day to have have three. But uh, another uh, story that is a really um, uh, close to home. Oops, too, too soon. Uh, close to home is uh, the new pastor of Cork Baptist Church in Cork City. Now, when Chris was over to visit with us in March April, uh, I took him to see. Cork uh, City, uh, Cork Baptist Church it was 1640 was when it was uh, uh, started. It's the oldest Baptist church on the island, and um, the the pastor of the church uh, is named Peter Kinney. Just uh, voted in to be pastor this uh, spring. Well, Peter before was a music teacher. He grew up in the traditional church. The veil had been covering his eyes. And there was a local church, a local Baptist church, that needed a musician. Didn't have any musician in in the church. And so uh, the pastor put out an advert in the uh, town saying, you know, we'll pay X amount every week if someone could play the piano. And so Peter um, responded. And he was told, okay, well, this is the only criteria you have that you stay for the whole service. Don't just play for the music and then leave, but stay for the whole service. A year later, Peter had accepted Christ during that time because he heard the gospel being preached to him every week. The veil had been lifted. He also felt God calling him to ministry. So he went to Bible college. He uh, uh, got a job. Uh, He had a couple of uh, ministry uh, positions. uh, And then... He was called to be pastor of this church, and that's that's a great, um, it's a really exciting news in in, uh, in Ireland, uh, in the in our community. So it's great to see how God, to see it from the beginning to end, how God has lifted the veil, and that He's now uh, pastoring a church. Now the uh, the last couple of years has not been easy. Ireland has had very restricted rules, uh, as I said. Um, the local police would be out on the roads, checkpoints, making sure you weren't leaving because you were restricted two kilometers from the house, five kilometers from the house. But we had a, a freedom for uh, about eight weeks in 2020. There, there's a, a lady who has been coming to our church, coming to Bible, Bible study, for years, she loved Bible study, but she never came to church on Sunday morning because she was going to her church. And uh, well, because of COVID, we went on Zoom. I was I was finishing a degree. We went on Zoom straight away, and on Sunday morning she showed up on Zoom. That was great. She'd never been there on the Sunday morning, even on Zoom. I mean, so that was great that she did, and. Then we had that freedom for the summer of 2020 that we could meet together for a few weeks. And so I was wondering if she's going to show up then. She did. It was great. Now on Zoom, our our, uh, uh, service starts out with children's uh, Sunday school. So Lona and Madeline put together, using flannel graph, put together a uh, Sunday school lesson for the kids, and that would be the very beginning of, uh, of our service. And so we continued that when we were able to meet because we uh, couldn't comfortably, because of the restrictions, have the kids in a different Sunday school setting. So we just did it all together. And so uh, the first Sunday she came in when we were able to meet. And I was great to see her. She came in, big smile. She was very happy to be there. The next Sunday, she was late. But she showed up, and right after the service, she came up to me and she apologized. She said, oh, I'm very sorry that I was late. Because she says, um, you know, she gave the reason. I won't give the reason. But, uh, I, but, but I'll make I'll adjust so I, don't, uh, I won't be late next week. I said, don't worry, you just missed Sunday school. She says, oh, but that's my favorite part. <laughs> so I didn't take that personally. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was great to see her. And the veil is, has been lifting from her. You can see that. She is so excited to be at church. She loves it. In fact, she was one of the last people I talked to before we left, and she said, we are going to miss you. Please come back. So um, it's just great to see how God is working in people. So I'm going to leave you with three things to think about. To pray. Prayer is... The main thing: pray, pray for Grace Baptist Church that we will be effective witnesses in the town of Killarney. Pray for our relationship with the school in which we worship. It's a Catholic primary school, and the Bishop of Kerry had to uh, approve of us being there. That was a God thing. That uh, the church, our church members, didn't think that was going to happen. They thought it was impossible. But I'm just a silly American that doesn't know any better. So I went ahead and, and went after it, and the principal called me a week later and said, "Come on down." And uh, I'll give you the key and the, uh, the code for the building, and we'll pick out where you're, figure out where you're going to be, and, and uh, we'll go from there. And when I asked him, "How much do you want to, is the pay for weekly, monthly, quarterly?" he said nothing all i ask is that you pray for the school so that's what we've done for the last several years so pray prayer is great it's it's uh uh, what uh keeps us going every day pray that the veil will be lifted from their faces and they will know the love of christ you know since january 21 i've been I, i started studying revivals and the great awakenings and how they started and what was going on. and It usually started with a, a small group of people praying. And a lot of times what they were praying, when you look at the different things they were praying for, is they were praying for that the Holy Spirit would move in the, in the hearts of the people in their town, and their community, and their, their nation. And so I've been praying for the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the people in Killarney. And throughout County Kerry and all of Ireland, the young men would heed the call to preach the gospel, and that the churches that are that are there, that they would be filled, and the need for more churches, and there is a need for more churches. We also send out a. Uh, this is our new prayer card, and it does not have Madeline on it. Um, that time of life is coming, has come. Then so, um, but you can get that in the, in the back we do put out a weekly prayer letter and a monthly newsletter that you can sign up for if you want to get that. And you can pray for some specific things that were that are going on. The second is to serve. Uh, this has obviously been a very difficult time to serve in 2019, since 2019. But now we can accept uh, short-term groups for Vacation Bible School or Music Ministry. I know uh, Jay is... Anxious to get back over there, we've loved every time Jay has brought the choir over, and, and some other groups have come over. Um, you know, or a single or a couple uh, could come over for up to ninety days on a tourist visa, as to, uh, like an internship type of thing to work with us. Because Ireland has become a uh, closed nation to the gospel, you cannot go on a show up. On a, uh, as a, on a religious visa it doesn't exist well it does exist but it's so extremely hard to get that it's impossible um, people who are coming over are coming over because they have a job in Ireland or they're married to somebody that's Irish or they have Irish heritage so that's one thing and though it might sound silly might sound strange but if you have a parent or a grandparent that is Irish or EU, they were born in those countries, you can get citizenship and if God's calling you, you can you can respond. Or you can give that citizenship to your parent your children and grandchildren. Because God might call them. And the third way is to give. And you can we're we're totally supported by um individuals and churches and this and um Vista Gandhi has been great. There, you are our sending church, and uh, you've been great for support in so many different ways. Uh, and uh, we have a lot of indi- individuals and, and churches that that uh, help out with that. And just to give you an idea, I know that you know we spent eight thousand, we've driven eight thousand miles, and you're thinking that's probably, this summer is the craziest summer to go driving anywhere with the gas prices and. The gas prices in Ireland are twice as what they are here. It's uh, around $10 a gallon. so um, uh, But still, it costs a lot of money for the, this summer. But that's just, it, under normal circumstances, our, our gas prices are twice what yours is. So anyway, if you feel God leading you to be a part of our ministry in that regard, then you can talk to us in the back as well. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for allowing us to share, to share the spiritual need that's in Ireland and how God is working. Please remember and pray for these dear people that I've mentioned, people without hope. Pray that they know the hope that they can only find in Jesus Christ. Pray that the veil will be lifted from their eyes and that the Holy Spirit will move in the hearts of the people and they will accept this free gift of salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance to share, the chance to share your word and the the work that's going on in, in Ireland. I thank you for the opportunity of just placing me and my family there. Thank you for this church that is supported us in so many ways and encouraged us in many ways. But Father, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning that the veil had been covering their eyes, their hearts, their minds, I pray that the veil would be lifted. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in their hearts and that they would turn to you and be saved. And I pray that they would do that and respond today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our time of response. How has God spoken to you? If His Holy Spirit is prompting you and you need to talk with someone, Pastor Devin is at the back. deacons will be available. So as we stand to sing, step out and go speak to someone. But that may not be the response that God is calling you to give, but He is calling us to respond to Him. Don't let His Word and His witness fall flat this morning. Please stand with me as we sing together.
1: of my bondage, sorrow, and guide. Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come into thy freedom, gladness, and life. Jesus, I come to I come to Thee. One day when heaven was filled with His praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin twelve among men my example is easy the word be a and the light shine among us is born. mountain. One day they nailed him to die on earth's tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. The hands that healed nations stretch out let say.
0: Remember, for those whose hearts are still veiled, it will not. So pray and tell.
1: God bless.